We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. And we always must remember that those words written by the Apostle Paul were written while he was in prison in Rome. And yet, he was full of joy. All the key word in the book of Philippians is joy and rejoicing, which tells us that his joy did not depend on the circumstances around him. His joy depended on a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how we too should be, rejoicing in him, not in situations or things around us. Let us pray this morning. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come before your presence today thanking you for this beautiful day, this day in which we remember your resurrection as we do every Sunday and indeed we should do every day. We pray this morning, O Lord, that you will bless our congregation, though we be few today uh, due to the fact that so many people are away, but Lord, we rejoice that we are here and pray that you speak to our hearts this morning as we sit to listen to your word. And Father, be instructed by your word. Open our understanding, the eyes of our understanding, our ears, our, our, our minds, our hearts. That the word might penetrate deeply and produce the fruit in our lives for us to live a life that glorifies you. Thank you, and Father, we pray for your blessing today once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Open with me, if you please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 7. Book of Genesis, chapter 7. In chapter 6, we saw Noah and his family before the flood, as he was building the ark. Now in chapter 7, we're going to see Noah in the flood, or be better yet, Noah over the flood. Let us read the first verse. We see the Lord's instruction to Noah. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Let us uh, think about this verse, what the Lord is saying to Noah. Now let's 
bear in mind that more than 100 years have passed since God had last spoken to Noah. In chapter 6, he told them, build the ark. And then, the scriptures do not register anything else about God speaking to Noah. 120 years later, God speaks to him again. After all, the Bible says that a thousand days for the Lord, uh, I, mean, I should say a thousand years are like one day, and one day is like a thousand years. So a hundred years is one-tenth of a year. How much is one-tenth of a year? 1.2 months in equivalent, right? More than 100 years have passed since God had last spoken to Noah, and no further word had come from God in all that time. But Noah went ahead faithfully with his mission and ministry. He obeyed God during this whole time, questioning nothing. That is an amazing thing. And we have to uh, stop and make, you know, clarify these things because when we read the Bible, we think that everything happened all at once. And we forget that in the beginning, especially the first 11 chapters of Genesis, cover a period of over 2,000 years. The first 11 chapters of Genesis, over 2,000 years, okay? And so we see here that Noah did not sit there after a while and say, well, Lord, the Lord is not speaking to me anymore. What should I do? No, he continued for 120 years. How long have you been walking with the Lord? He obeyed God during this whole time, questioning nothing. And he worked on the ark and also preached to his generation but with no results except for his immediate family. Now, that's encouraging. To preach for 120 years to people who don't want to hear it. Not one convert except for his family. Now, the ark was completed. And the animals would be assembled. And this chapter begins seven days before the flood. Literal days. Okay? God now saves Noah and his household from the judgment. He finds him, according to his own words, he finds him righteous, a righteous man before him. Imagine God saying to you, I find you a righteous man. I find you a righteous woman. God, who's perfect and holy, to look at you, a sinner, and say, I find you perfect, righteous. That's a great testimony, isn't it? You see, it is not what people think of you. It's what God thinks of you. That's why I never try to impress people. People's opinions might change, like the weather. But God is always the same. And it's what he says that matters, because he is the one that we have, to whom we have to give a, an account one day. And so we see here, that this fact that the Lord finds him righteous distinguishes him from the rest of his generation. 
Okay? Was he a minority? Sure. Before the flood. After the flood, he was a majority. Okay, never forget that. In the book of Hebrews, that we studied not too long ago, in chapter 11, which talks about the heroes of faith, it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he had never reigned on the earth, there had never been a flood before, and the Lord says he, wa he warned Noah about things, the things were coming, were coming that have not yet been seen. He moved, moved with godly fear. That means reverent fear. He respected God and he feared God. And that's one thing that we always must do. We must be, always fear the Lord. Because the Bible says, blessed is the man who walks in the fear of the Lord all day long. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and understanding. And here we see that he moved with godly fear. And he was just not standing there doing nothing. He says that he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Was he a good father? Was he a good husband? What did he do? Provide for his home, for his family. The Bible says that he who does not provide for his own family is worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. So men, provide. And if you are a single woman, provide. And if you are a teenager or a college and career, provide. Be fruitful. Don't be lazy. God does not take a good look at the lazy people. And he, by doing what he did, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. He condemned the world by living righteously. He condemned the world by doing what God told him to do. He, he, uh, he condemned the world by providing for his family, by taking God liter literally, because faith without works is dead. Okay? And so we see that he was out, he stood out from the rest of his generation. Do you know the names of all the people from his generation? Nobody does. They all disappeared. They were all destroyed. But everybody knows Noah. Okay? Now, after a century of silence, God speaks once again, giving Noah further instructions. First, he tells him, come into the ark. Doesn't tell him go, says come. God would be with them in the ark. It's better to be with God in the storm or through the storm than to be away from God in, the, in peace and, and quiet, if there is such a thing as peace and quiet away from the Lord. They would be safe when God unleashed the flood outside the ark. God would go through the storm with them. 
Doesn't that remind you of the Lord Jesus Christ on, or sleeping on the boat in the Sea of Galilee while the storm was raging and the disciples were afraid the boat was going to sink? And they woke him up and says, Lord, Master, Master, we are perishing, we are sinking. And the Lord got up from his sleep. Can you imagine? He, he, that's literally sleeping through a storm. I cannot even sleep through peace. He slept through the storm. And on top of it, they wake him up, and he wakes up, and he looks around. He says, why did you doubt? What is wrong with you? Oh, you of little faith. Little faith? We're about to sink. These were fishermen. And they were not afraid because fishermen know the waters. But they were afraid. The storm must have been horrendous. And you know what? They tell us, the guides in Israel tell us, that though the Sea of Galilee is a lake, the storms that come down from the mountains produce very violent storms. And I've been in the Sea of Galilee when it was calm like oil. And I've been in the Sea of Galilee when it was moving back and forth, rocking the boat. And we had to hold on to because we couldn't stand to read the Bible. See? And the Lord gets up and he says, why did you doubt? Are you of little faith? See, because he went through the storm with them. And we see here that he tells, the Lord tells Noah, come into the ark. God would go through the storm with them. And he, believers are safe. This tells us that believers are safe in the center of God's will. Somebody said to me with all the things happening, he says, where is the safest place to be at? The safest place to be at is in New York, in the middle, in the center of God's will. I told you the story many times about this couple that moved from the States. They were sick and tired of all the crime. This is 40 years ago. They moved from the States. They were tired of crime. They sold everything. They moved. We want a safe place in the earth. They moved to the Falkland Islands in the South Atlantic, one month before the war broke out between Argentina and the United Kingdom. Safe place? And some people say to me from other places, say, you live in New York? I said, yeah. I live in New York. Aren't you afraid? Of what? People are people Everywhere. Maybe New York has the fame, but other places have the practice. I could say the same thing about people living in Miami, one of the drug capitals of the world. One pastor one time in upstate New York said to me, brother, you know, he was one of those preachers who tried to intimidate you, and I cannot stand them. Brother, I'm glad you are in New York and not me. And I looked at him and I said, you know, brother, I am glad I'm in New York and not you. If you're going to go fishing, you got to go to the deep water, not to a little pond in some little rinky-dink town. Now, I'm not saying the people there don't need the Lord. Of course they do. But you have more people in New York and a big variety, too. You got a lot of fish here. 
We have Dominican species, Puerto Rican species, Guyanan species, uh, Greek species, uh, you name it, uh, whites and uh, black people and, 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 and Indians and, and Chinese. And the other day I went to a birthday party and I'm standing outside the restaurant. It was an Indian restaurant in Queens. And all of a sudden, a group of people, uh, those uh, Indian people who wear the turban, Sikhs, doctor, I couldn't think of the name. I was saying Shiites, Shiites are Muslims. Sikhs, Sikhs, they were, and you should see, I mean, the, the ladies were dressed with their saris, so elegant, and the men, with the way they dress, with the pants, and this other thing over their pants, you know, and, and they were all coming out of the restaurant. I was standing on the sidewalk, wait, wait, waiting for my dancing sister, and, and so, it's, uh, and they all said, most of them, they came out, good evening, good evening, so friendly, just a hello, you know, what are you afraid of? You know, I've lived in New York for 56 years, Friday, Thursday, August 31st. We uh, marked the day that we came to the United States 56 years ago. Can't, hard to believe. And never nothing, another, no, nothing ever happened to me. And I've gone through some rough neighborhoods in my ministry. Nothing. And yet one day I went to Montreal in Canada, and right outside the church in downtown in Mo Montreal, this drunk comes over and he hits my car, you know, jumps onto my car, wanted something. That never happened to me in New York. When you're in the center of God's will, you have nothing to fear. But you can fear a lot if you're not in the center of God's will. And here we see that unbelievers have nothing to expect but God's judgment. We were talking before with Alberto and Luis Daniel and Billy here in the, mor in the uh, corner here, and we are talking about all these politicians and their millions and this and that, and da, 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 da. you know what? One of these days, they're all going to die. And let me ask you a question. Are they going to take all their millions with them? I saw something on Facebook the other day, a picture of two graves, and one said, poor man's grave, and the other one said, millionaire man's grave, and you look at the graves and they're both the same. As a matter of fact, the book of Ecclesiastes says that, that to all of them, the same thing happens. Hmm? And each member of God's family, in this case Noah's family, made the decision to enter the ark with him. And what did the Lord, the Apostle Paul tell the uh, Philippian jailer in Acts 16, 31, when he asked him, what must I do to be saved? What did he say to him? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved and your house. That's not to say that when you get saved, your family gets saved automatically. Some people believe that. I don't. Bible doesn't teach that, but what it says is that if you get saved, you're going to influence your family, and they're going to see your example, and they're going to follow in your footsteps. They're going to naturally want to do what you did, and want to be 
what you are. Okay? Now let's look at verse 2. The Lord tells him, You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and a female, and also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. God adds more details to his general instructions in the, uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Noah was to take seven pairs. Some people say seven animals. Others believe it's seven pairs. It doesn't matter. Of clean animals and birds. But only one pair of unclean animals to keep the species alive. The three pairs would be for procreation of the species. And the seventh pair... For the sacrifice. Okay. We're going to see that in the next chapter. Chapter 8. So we see here that the Lord gives him. Now more specific instructions. Because the time has come. For, the, uh, for judgment to fall. And God gives him instructions now. Further instructions. That he did not give him before. Because he was not relevant before. God always gives us added information. Right when we need it. And this is what he does with Noah. Okay? He took seven pairs of animals, clean animals, and one pair of unclean animals just to preserve the species. And one extra pair of the clean animals for sacrifice, worship. Today I read something beautiful. I don't know if you read the good seed today. I read it and it's talking about chapter 12 of John, when the Lord is in uh, the house of Lazarus, Ma uh, Martha, and Mary in Bethany. What does it say there? Martha served. Lazarus sat at the table with him, and Mary broke the flask of very expensive perfume with which he anointed him. So Martha represents service. Lazarus represents fellowship, communion, and Mary represents worship. Those are the three things we all must, must all do. To serve the Lord, to fellowship, have communion with the Lord, and to worship the Lord. Now you notice that in the instructions God gives Noah... He doesn't tell anything, doesn't say anything about fish. It was not necessary because fish live in the waters. So whether they're a lot, a lot or, or, or few, they survived. Even if all of them didn't survive, a great number of them survived. Okay, but not the earth animals. Now look at verse 4, four verses 4 and 5. For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. God next declares his judgment would come after seven more days, giving Noah time to prepare and place all the animals and all food into the ark. And he then would bring upon the earth a cataclysmic rain for 40 days and 40 nights. God speaks specifically 
of when it would begin and how long it would last. Now, 40 in the Bible represents testing or trial. We see Moses was on top of the mountain for how long? 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord when he gave him the tablets with the law. Okay? And also we see that Israel was in the desert for how long? 40 years. Elijah ran away and fasted for 40 days. Jonah fasted for 40 days before Nineveh, uh, uh, before he preached uh, in Nineveh. The Lord Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan, by the devil, for 40 days in the wilderness. And the church, 40 days after his resurrection, He was on this earth. He ascended to heaven 40 days after his resurrection. So numbers are very important in the, in the Bible. They all have a purpose. Now such worldwide downpour would not be possible today because conditions would not allow that. So this required a totally different source of waters than it would now because it talks about the waters above the firmament. In other words, the canopy covering the earth up to that point would break up and all that moisture would come down. These waters were to fall upon the earth. Now, since man's evil was universal, judgment would also be universal. I will destroy, the Lord says, all living things that I have made. And when God says all, he means what? All. Okay? This included all vegetation as well. Everything would be wiped out, thus cleansing all the corruption on earth. And what did the Lord say to his disciples and to the people? What did he say? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be right before the coming of the Son of Man. People are going around Talking, blabbing, doing this, doing that, getting married, giving in marriage, eating, drinking, having fun. What is it all about? Oh, it's all about having fun. Till judgment comes. Just like it did back then. And I'm sure that all the laughter and all the irony and all the mockery must have frozen in their faces when they saw what was happening. They ran to the ark. I'm sure, but we're going to see later that the Lord is the one who closed the door. And once the Lord closes the door, that's it. Nobody, no man can open it. Now, when God finished his instructions, Noah, once again, it says, did according to all that the Lord commanded him, just as he had done before for over 100 years. Let me, let me just say this. It is not how you begin. It is how you finish. The Apostle Paul could say at the end of his life, I have run the race. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He had a bumpy beginning, didn't he? The Lord blinded him. 
because he was persecuting the church. And in persecuting the church, he was persecuting the Lord whom he knew, he thought he was saving, he was uh, serving. But it is not how you start. I've seen a lot of people start, come to church, and then one day they disappear. Now you say, are they saved? That I don't know. The Lord knows. Time will tell. Just be careful how you walk. Because if the Lord has truly saved you, you became a different person. And by being a different person, you're going to live differently than the world does. What does this world live for? Money, fame, power, pleasure. And you know that all those things are going to perish. Either when they die or when God brings judgment. But only those who do the will of God abide forever. So make sure you stay faithful until the Lord takes you home or until he comes back. This was now the final break. The final break with the world that Noah had known, entrusting himself to the mercy of God. Now Noah obeyed the Lord without reservation. We don't see anything about his emotions, his opinions, or feelings. Only his complete faith, confidence, and submission to the Lord. Nazdrovia. Noah's faith is an obedient faith, as it should be. How do we know Noah's faith? We know Noah's faith by his works. Like the Apostle James says in the book of James, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Talk is cheap. If you are a truly true a true believer, you will have fruit, spiritual fruit, godly fruit in your life. Because a lot of people claim to be Christians and they're anything but. And James says right there, faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. As the body without life is dead. Noah shows us his faith by his works. And by the way, every hero of the faith in, in Hebrews 11, every one of them, we know they have faith by what they did. Now, not only we see here the Lord's instructions to Noah, but now we see Noah's obedience and faith. Verse 6. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of, of, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, the, of birds and of every, everything that creeps on the earth. 
two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. We see also here that Noah's age, <coughs> Noah's age and the exactness of God's word. The judgment is exactly as God declared it. And I don't know if I mentioned this uh, last week, but the word flood in the Hebrew is the word mabul. And that word in the Hebrew is used exclusively to refer to the Noahic flood. The word for fl other, other floods is different in Hebrew. It's never, the mabul is never used to refer to other floods, whether local or, you know, devastated or whatever. It's a different word. This word is used exclusively <coughs> for Noah's Ark. It's a water catastrophe. Okay? <coughs> this put an end. <coughs> it was so big that it put an end to the anti-Diluvian civilization and began the post-Diluvian age, which is our age. Now, let's observe also that the obedience of Noah's family and the obedience of the animals in coming. God says the animals will come to you. The word boo in Hebrew. Come. Noah didn't have to go hunting for the animals. The animals came to Noah. So how is that possible? How is it possible? Very simple. God directed them. And you know, animals have an instinct. And who knows, maybe the Lord put in that instinct in just the, the animals that he wanted to go into the ark. And they came to Noah. Entering the ark, cut them off forever from the world outside. <coughs> Excuse me, outside. And from that moment on, there would come a new beginning, a new order for those who had trusted the Lord and received his grace. And the narrative mentions all those who enter the ark, emphasizing the exactness of God's word. Everything went as God commanded. This reminds me also of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away till everything has been fulfilled. If the Bible says so, you can bet your life on it. That it's going to happen just as God said. In God's time. Now we see the judgment of God. Verse 10. <clears throat> and it came to pass. After seven days. That the waters of the flood. Were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life. In the second month, <coughs> the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. God keeps his word. <coughs> Everything happens as he promised. And the text describes the intensity and the magnitude of the flood. 
Now, that only gives us the, day, the year that the, the flood came, but it tells us the month and the 17th day of the month. He tells us exactly the day the floods came upon the earth. The day is fixed exactly and it corresponds to the end of our October or beginning of November. The flood was so vast that the old world perished completely with the exception of the Lord's redeemed, Noah and his family. Now we see two sources of origin the waters proceeded from. The fountains of the great deep and the waterfalls from heaven. The rain lasted 40 days and 40 nights. The fountains of the great deep probably refers to the subterranean uh, fountains of water overflowing, okay, which uh, commonly happens even today. And that probably means that the crust of the earth was blown up and all the fountains from underneath came up and all the waters from the heavens came down. Now, we know that Heaven doesn't have windows, literally, literally, but what he talks about is that the heavens were open. In other words, everything that was up there, the waters that were up there, everything came down. Okay? The waters from heaven describes the intensity and magnitude of the flood. So large was the volume of water that it caused the overflowing of the subterranean waters as well. Now look at verse 13. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark, they and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort, and they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh, in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And look at the last phrase. And the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut him in. Now, the text repeats, by way of emphasis, that Noah and all his family enter the, the ark, and all kinds of animals as well, just as the Lord instructed. The writer stresses this as though knowing that future generations would find this very hard to believe. Everything with the breath of life, male and female. We see the faith of Noah and his family in the accuracy of God's word. When all were inside the ark, we read the solemn phrase, and the Lord shut him in. When God shuts the door, no one may enter. Judgment may be long in coming, for God is a God of grace and mercy. But there comes a time when God says, up to here and no further. Open with me one second to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> Go to verse 6. Isaiah 55 verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And that call goes out still to this day. Okay? From this point on, Noah and his family would have a new life in a new world. The ark endured the fierceness of the flood as the flood destroyed the old world. The world of the ungodly in which they would have been destroyed themselves if they, the flood had not come. In the same manner, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died for our sins, triumphed over sin, triumphed over this evil world, triumphed over the devil. Why? That he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Galatians 1.4. There's the purpose as to why he did that. To deliver us. Okay? Now as the water rose, burying and destroying the old world, those same waters bore the ark and its occupants high above all the destruction happening below. The waters of judgment and destruction were also the waters of cleansing and redemption. Let us never minimize or forget the importance of the flood as part of our faith. Let us not be intimidated by scientific skepticism, evolution th uh, theories, geologists, or paleontologists who for the last 100 years or, or more have tried to make us believe that all earth history should be explained explain in terms of slow and natural processes taking billions of years. God does not need to evolve anything he creates. He's a, uh, a, 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 an original creator. All his original creation was original and spontaneous. The word of God is all true and we must believe it all and taken lit literally when it describes historical events. Now, after all, God was there. Evolutionists were not. All they have is suppositions and theories. In other words, all they have is darkness. The entrance of thy words gives light, it says. When you read the word of God, it enlightens your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit. That's why I remember when I was in, living in Argentina as a child and as a teenager, the priests were telling everybody, of course I never would, I was never a Catholic, but all of my friends were, and the priest would say, don't read the Bible, because if you read the Bible, you are crazy. What a lie. What a lie. And the Orthodox uh, Church didn't do any better. We used to run to the priests in school. We went to a Greek school, and the church was right there next to it. And we would go to the priest and say, Father, Father, what does this, uh, this thing mean? Oh, my children, those are the mysteries of the church. Then they complain why people don't go back, why they lose so many people, and they try to create all these schemes. Now, the last week in where I live, Oh, it's a big thing over there every year. Greek festival. And you see the signs all over. 
They don't put a Bible verse. Greek festival. So what do they have? A fair. You go and you pay. And they sell the food. And the rides cost money. And everything is to raise funds for the Greek Orthodox Church. And some people ask, do you go to the Greek fair? No. Now, do I like Greek food? Yeah. Do I like Greek dancing? Yeah. Do I like the Greek Orthodox Church? No. Why? Because they don't tell the truth. They keep people in darkness. And they're not the only one. The word of God is what enlightens our minds, our souls, our spirits. And that's why the devil concocts all these lies through those with a form of a godliness, but deny the power thereof, to tell us, don't read the Bible because you're going to go crazy. On the contrary, the Bible tells me that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what does the Lord want me? According to Jeremiah 9.24, you want to boast about something? Brag about this. In that you know me. And fear me. And keep my word. And how are you going to do that if you don't read the Bible? What did the Lord quote when he was tempted by the devil? Three times he quoted the Bible. Specifically, he quoted the book of Deuteronomy. Or from the book of Deuteronomy. Okay? I'm tempted to finish the chapter, but I can't. Because uh, time is running short. But anyway, I hope I at least have been able to stress in a, a small way the importance of the flood. Some people, a lot of people, question it, and they will make us think that Noah and the flood is nothing but a fairy tale fit for children's books. Well, you know what? I have news for them. It's no fairy tale. It's history. One time we went on our, these trips that we have done, we went to Turkey. And we went to a place, I don't, I don't remember what town it was, where the factory where they were making the rugs, you know, Turkish rugs. And man, some of those rugs, some of those rugs were expensive. Of course, the first one they show you is the biggest one and the most expensive one. I should have bought one. It cost only $45,000. And the guy that was explaining, the young guy, was explaining how they make the rugs, how they do it. They showed us how the women working and that. It's just a work of art. I, I, that guy was a Turk, young guy, but he lived in Argentina. So I was able to converse with him just a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, it was rush, rush. You, you have a lot of time. And at one moment he was talking, and he says, you know, the legend of Noah, and to this day I repent in sackcloth and ashes that I didn't raise my, I didn't stand up and say, excuse me, my friend, that's not a legend, it's a fact. And the funny thing is that the remains of the ark 
so they tell us, are on top of Mount Ararat. And do you know where Mount Ararat is? Between Turkey and Russia. Nowadays, between Turkey and Armenia. Because at the time, Armenia was under the Soviet Union, not anymore. And I should have opened my mouth and said something. But that's what the people believe. The world believes that it's just a legend. It is not a legend. I think that God put these stories in the Bible to mock the unbelievers. Because what is it that the unbelievers question? They question Noah and the flood. They question creation. They question Jonah and the fish. They question the book of Daniel. They find it hard to believe. But the problem is not with the book of Daniel. The problem is not with the creation. The problem is not with Noah. And the problem is not with Jonah. The problem is with their unbelief. And unbelief will try to reason everything away, explain everything away, to accommodate their thinking and make them feel comfortable. Do you know why immoral people don't believe in God? Very simple. Because if they did, they would have to admit that one day they're going to have to give him an account of their evil lives. So of course, it's more convenient to not believe in God. But they're only kicking the can down the road. Because one day, whether they believe or do not believe, whether they stand, whether they sit, whether they scream, whether they become blue in the face, whether they do cartwheels in the air, the word of God is the word of God. And God is God. And we'll have to give him an account one day. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.